Welcome to the Reinventing Education Podcast. This is a podcast for anybody interested in reinventing what education is. I'm Rob McLeod, joined as always by Brennan O'Leary. And today we've got a guest with us, Lenny McLeod. No relation between the two of us, but Lenny McLeod is an integral coach. And Lenny, first of all, welcome. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here, boys. <laughs> so over the last two months, Brendan, Lenny, and myself have had a private messenger chat that got out of control quickly, where I posted a few questions, bits of information about some of the stuff we've been doing in schools, and a conversation arose between the three of us. Lenny and Brendan didn't know each other. I grew up around Lenny back in my hometown. Brendan and I worked together when I moved to Germany, and it was my secret dream to connect you two, because I thought, oh, it'd be great to sit down and have you guys around for a beer or sit around a fire and just chat. I think we'd have a good time. And slowly, that emerged as a thing on Messenger, and we've ended up having these epic, pretty much hour-long back and forths, where we leave 45 minutes to an hour's worth of messages for each other on a every other day basis, which is nuts. And it seemed like a reasonable idea to bring us all together for an episode here on the podcast to maybe sift through some of the stuff we've discussed there or to launch into some new topics. So Len, really glad to finally realize one of my dreams to have the three of us together. Uh, you in <laughs> Toronto, me in Belgium and Brendan in Japan to have a chat today. So uh, Brendan, can I awkwardly transition over to you to begin the conversation? It's been great having a chat because what I really love about the discussion between the three of us is that Len is coming at it with a lot of knowledge about the integral theory that some of the ideas in the show are based on, this idea of um, developmental levels, but also with this kind of insatiable appetite for knowledge about education, which, you know, he keeps saying, I don't know anything about education. I just, you know, just want to work out, you know, make some sense of my own schooling and how education fits in, but just like hammering us with awesome questions day after day. And, you know, if some approached education with the gusto of this chat, we'd be uh, we'd be 10 miles further down that road. So this is going to be great. <laughs> so that's why he's here. So maybe if I jump into that first question of, so as I just said, you know, some of the theories of the, of the reinventing education are based on the ideas of spiral dynamics and integral theory. Could you give us your take on that in a nutshell? just a couple of minutes on what integral theory is and why it might be good to use some as yeah, some aspects of it in an analysis of education. Or to make parallels between your work in coaching and what you see us doing in education, maybe. Well, I mean, I guess there's, there's plenty of components to the integral theory and framework. And certainly the, the levels and quadrants seem extremely useful or the most useful, especially in an educational setting. And I assume that's why you guys have taken to those aspects of it the most and have you know fleshed those out so well. Because the quadrants and levels are really what you guys have really been focusing on, eh? Yeah, and I guess just to like connect some of that integral lingo to like what we've been doing, for us, the levels we've kind of transitioned into talking about like the different values in education or the different kinds of school. So like traditional mainstream and progressive and those quadrants we've called the eight aspects of school, the practices, the materials, systems, the environments, the communities, the cultures and the reactions and the beliefs. Just for anyone who might not be as familiar with integral that we've kind of been couching that integral language in our own vocabulary. Yeah. And I guess, you know, those seem like the, the aspects of the theory that apply apply the easiest to, you know, institutions or organizations. You guys have found plenty of use for them, that's for sure. As for the integral model, the fact that you guys have really taken to the levels and the quadrant sort of shows that that's sort of what's applicable to institutions, education. I mean, the other aspects are apply better to individuals. No, I think it's a good point because I think we do kind of cross over that a little bit when we start talking about you can't move the institution forward unless at some point you're going to have to start dealing with the individual differences inside. The, the most obvious one was the fact that if you're in a school that has kids from age 5 to 15 just naturally you're probably going to have a bunch of kids that are more in line with that blue traditional mindset and some that are moving more towards the orange opportunity and then you may even at the top end if you go to 18 or whatever have a few kids that are moving in towards that more progressive green inclusion kind of mindset so one kind of model even across an individual school isn't necessarily going to work 
Yeah, and I think we're dealing with the developmental complexity of each individual within within a school, be that students, be that parents, be that administrators, teachers, etc. And then also like I think what Lenny you were hitting out there was the idea that like with the actual organization itself has some kind of center of gravity in one of these like developmental stages. Or I think the way Bren and I kind of more approach it is like a preference towards one of these three kinds of school, a preference towards traditional school, a preference towards mainstream school, or a preference towards progressive. So it's sort of like we're balancing so many things at the same time. We're balancing like where the organization as a whole is hovering in that preference. But then within it, let's say you've got a school of a thousand people, like Brennan was just saying, you the students alone, you might have groups of students more responsive to that old school security approach. Some of them leaning towards that opportunity kind of achievement mindset. And then you've got some maybe even moving towards the inclusion. And then that's trying to like like compete with a staff that might also be across that whole range. So it's like there's a lot of space for like tension, a lot of space for tugs of war to go on. But also within that ongoing kind of collision, I think there's also this space for like new things to come out of that and like beneficial clarity, new ideas, more clarity why we want to do things the way we want to do them. You as an outsider, someone who's not working in schools, but like reflecting on your own school journey, I'm curious if like you see how some of the things we've talked about actually apply to your own personal story. Oh, yeah, man. Well, that's been maybe the most fascinating. I mean, this whole dialogue between us has been pretty fascinating. You know, all the questions I've had about my own education growing up, which isn't too far off from yours, Rob, being that we went to the same high school. (laughs) Although within that, we had different experiences as well. But, um, you know, a lot of the way I was understanding what you guys were doing or trying to understand, you know, trying to have an integral understanding of education was trying to understand my own education. When, when Rob set up our discussion, it took us a while to warm up to having this chat. And we threw a few ideas around and Rob didn't give up. He kept coming back and pressing us both, knowing that sooner or later, if he kept harassing us with questions, we'd bite. And I think the first thing that really got us biting was, how do you move a school from a traditional mindset that might be totally out of sync with what we need in 2020? Because, you know, they're not differentiated for kids. Everybody gets the same thing. Everyone gets the same lesson at the same time in the same way. And it's knowledge-based. It doesn't teach those skills that maybe go across disciplines. It doesn't really prepare you for the world of work. And it really isn't in many ways bringing too much to the table at this point, but it does have that tradition, that lineage, that idea of self-discipline and duty. But let's say there is a school that just seems totally out of sync with 2020 life, isn't working for them. It isn't working for the institution they're in. How can we help support them move into this next kind of paradigm or, or or not if that's not going to work for them yeah that's a good point about or not if it doesn't work for them because i mean i'm sure there's been plenty of teachers or even yourselves or me or anyone at a time where like you know jumping up stages isn't so isn't the easiest task and within stages there's obviously better or worse teachers or really functional good teachers that are really bringing a lot to the table even if they are you know traditional and so i guess it's important not yet to try to let's say shift stages upwards but also also fill out or make make healthy and functional within the stage you're at because um having a functional you know being a great traditional teacher would be a hell of a lot better than being a shitty traditional teacher or a shitty opportunity teacher moving to the next stage and doing an awful job and serving your organization and your kids even less than you were before Mm -hmm. and i guess you know how you were saying that stuff was just getting lightly thrown around and then in our and some stuff was really, really getting juicy. One of the things that was really, I found really fascinating was with traditional, we were talking about traditional and when we got in the idea of really some of the foundational good qualities of traditional, you know, forgiveness or deep value for a student, regardless of how low the student's opinion of themselves might be or how few skills they have, that there's something in that traditional that's like, you know, no, regardless of who you are, you're, you're worthwhile to be taught here. 
you're a worthwhile individual because sometimes it is really hard to give traditional a whole lot of whole lot of credit in 2020 but if trying to trying to put myself in the shoes of a, a kid didn't have the like i said the highest opinion of himself or was just in a bad way you know and that had a good old traditional teacher that no matter what was thought he was worthwhile you know we talked quite a lot about that idea of having that regard for you even if you were a sinner and we talked about how the i guess the traditional model because it's often coming from this divine laws or having a connection to a, a religious base and so seeing somebody who has let themselves down maybe or who is classed as a sinner the traditional mindset would say yes you're a sinner but we love you there's something in you that's worth loving and even if you don't love yourself we love you this is the healthy version of the traditional value we love you and we're going to save your soul we're going to support you and we're going to bring you back into the fold mm. yeah and for me like if you think about that in terms of both two aims of school like the citizenship and the work preparation with that master apprentice model it's like the sinning isn't necessarily so much the like religious sin necessarily but it's more the like you were born into this world not yet ready to uphold your duty and your place in society that's okay that you're not ready to do that yet stick with us for 10 12 years we've done it we did our duty we're in our roles in society now and listen to us and we can get you there this is a stable safe secure thing you're not there yet we love you stick with us we trust in our approach to things and we know if you work your way through this do what we say we can get you ready and then you can uphold your duty and your role in society. Mm -hmm. and, and even if you are a disaster right now, you're worthwhile. You're worth the effort. You know, you're worth being a part of the class, being a part of the school, part of the system. I think we were digging to dig deep to find something in the traditional mindset that we loved, but it was like, this could be unhealth. There is a version of this where you've sinned, get out of here. We don't want to have anything to do with you. And the idea of the traditional feudal society that would exile people that had transgressed its boundaries but then the flip side of this and we we played around with the idea whether this was a maternal paternal version of it a passive uh, active version or whatever i don't know if we ever settled on any term that made sense but this idea of there's two ways it can go down and we don't have a name for the stage before, before traditional in our reinventing education model because school essentially started with that traditional mindset but i know there's a red stage that predates this traditional and so we talked about how kids in school who maybe are coming from that more impulsive red background and they're not necessarily fitting in school. The school has got two ways to deal with it. They deal with it with love. You're important. We're going to include you. Or they deal with it by booting you out the door. And I guess it's a, it's, it's a, there's no perfect answer to how you deal with it. It's got to be situation by situation. But in terms of family and say community, you would want that more positive, almost inclusive. I know we use inclusion for that green progressive stage, but this is kind of like, our community matters and you're an important part of it no matter how much of a disaster you are we value you as a person whether that's because you're created by god or whether it's some other belief system because one of the things you also pushed a few times len was the idea of the blue traditional mindset being driven by this in this intense emotional drive it's not necessarily logical the it's emotional conviction yeah that emotional conviction driving everything and perhaps to even like connect that to if like you shift up to the next stage of that opportunity mainstream orange approach to school. I think there's almost that divorcing of personal opinion, divorcing of emotional conviction. As we move up into that next stage, it becomes, I don't really care what you think or what you feel. What does the data say? What do the numbers say? Like we shift over to this focus on like student achievement, test scores, all these kinds of things. And perhaps that's where we lose the positive side of that emotional conviction. I think, you know, to have your cake and eat it too, is to like keep that emotional conviction while also using those test scores. But it seems sometimes that like deeper personal conviction gets lost as like teachers to some degree just become pieces in a machine of like, at the end of the day, what we're really looking at are the numbers that are coming out of your classroom. So no matter who's teaching in that classroom, no matter who's working with the kids, no matter who that kid is seeing, 
the thing we're now looking at isn't did you bring people into the fold? It's what's the what's their output? What are the kids' output? And what's your output as a teacher? What's the average percentage of a kid in your class? What percentage are above the national standard in your class? Yeah, yeah, you can totally see how you know a traditional teacher could feel like a fish out of water in you know in that setting, and you can you can really sense the limitations of. <laughs> trying to trying to keep yourself afloat on emotional conviction and tradition when it's what are the stats saying it reminds me of when brendan was talking about in in britain how they really brought in that was it the iron lady brought in the uh business model to to british education yeah. and then just like the casualties from that must have been huge the the traditional well, casualties yeah and interestingly because they're conservatives but they brought in i guess it was neo neoliberal right you know the same time as Reagan and it's like let, let's apply all of these statistical models and data-driven models to what had what had traditionally been socially oriented systems such as healthcare and especially education. So now everything's going to be driven. We're going to put people into tables and stuff like that. So I guess coming at it from an integral coach's point of view, if, if there was a, a traditional teacher working in that environment, can you do anything for them, or you just tell them to get the hell out of there? <laughs> well, yeah, you you very well could do something i mean that would that would come down to the real specifics of what they were struggling with i think what's tough is that that len you're as an integral coach you're dealing with individuals which we're asking you questions that are about moving entire establishments along mostly because we haven't got a clue how to do it and this is kind of like when we first started and i can this is the shadow maybe of the the teal the post-progressive school that we talk about that we were like oh yeah we just want to get everybody moved along through those stages to eventually get to become a teal school and that's the best because the teal school or the post-progressive school is the one that takes the best elements of all the others and so that's the best and so we want to take this school that's a traditional school and push them along quickly to be an opportunity school and a couple of years later move them into that green progressive and then you know maybe by in Christmas in five years time we'll have will be a teal school you know that's obviously a ridiculous idea but in terms of it makes more sense to look at individuals then if you're looking at moving the entire school or just a person inside the school along because let's say that yeah again I don't know if it even makes sense you've got a traditionally minded teacher for them to really serve that opportunity minded school well and not to be fighting against it every turn and trying to pull it back to become a traditional school could we work with that teacher Mm -hmm. or is just the question ridiculous because unless you know that specific person because the thing like you said earlier you know integral theory isn't just about those stages or even just those different quadrants that we call aspects it's got a whole bunch of other things in there that relate directly to individuals is it just ridiculous for us to think of even moving individuals and groups along to the next stage yeah that's um that's a good good question and i remember i remember for quite a while we we talked about this we've had this idea of you know this sort of what have we called it like a coach counselor superman type person an individual who's equipped with the the understanding of these different value systems and but also has lots of experience within schools so knows the fine details of what actually goes on and how helpful that could be instead of trying to do some big system overhaul and make it a teal school or something but if you had one person in there who was aware of these different different sets of values and how they operate, you know, every school is going to have some traditional need and some mainstream needs and some will have progressive needs and a progressive thought to fill. So if you could, you know, maybe adjust and place, you know, if you had a couple traditional teachers, it's not like there's no use for a traditional teacher. It's almost like instead of trying to get them to grow and develop in some way, which if they're a traditional teacher, they're probably not that interested in in the first place because that's not the way we've always done it. So you could just sort of put them where they're the most useful, functional, and even where they would thrive themselves, perhaps. The same would apply to the the other value set. Because if you were a progressive school, you know, progressive values are riding on the top of the mainstream values and the traditional values. And they only come out of the other two being fairly solidly there. So, So it's almost more like placement could become the way to deal with what in some situations could be a huge lacking 
lacking of abilities to operate in higher ways. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious, like if a head of school heard what you just said, I think this is like almost a reinventing education slant on like an intersectionality here where it's like, I think a lot of heads of school would look at like competency and interest when placing teachers in certain roles within a school, like, hey, which teacher would be best equipped to deal with this grade or this new position in the school? Or like, hey, let's, you know, open it up to hiring. Oh, we've got four people who want to do this job. Hey, you know, wanting to do the job is a pretty critical piece to make sure this goes well. But I wonder if that is like a new tool for an administrator to consider like, hey, what value is this person coming from? And is there one of these three values that might actually be a better fit for this position or role? Or just, hey, if this person is going to get the position because of skill and or interest, what do I need to be aware of to like support them in a few areas, maybe where they're not a a perfect match for where the school's at or otherwise? I think I'm just right now just trying to play through my head, like how would an administrator might use something like that with placement? Mm. Yeah. And I was thinking too, like, let's say an administrator like that came to a school and the school was mainstream or progressive. One question would be, how are the traditional values expressed at this school? How is our traditional foundations that are holding up and propping up these mainstream qualities and our progressive qualities? They're sitting on, you know, some sort of traditional foundation. So like, well, how are they expressed in this school? And how can I use certain teachers that fit better with that? It, again, it's almost like a, you know, a matching to a degree values with values. But for that to even happen, the administrator would have to be aware of that those value systems were in play. And I think that's kind of where me and Rob have talked a lot about just making it explicit that these value systems exist, even if you don't actually make any changes, but to begin to know, oh, actually, this is a more traditional leaning school in some of our systems or even in our culture. And are we okay with that? And so I think it's the same thing. The administrator walks in and they're like, oh, shit, this, I, I'm a progressive administrator and I want this to be like the, the best progressive school in the whole whole of Wigan there's no progressive schools <laughs> I want this <laughs> I want this to be the best progressive school in Wigan but then they come in and they're like they're just gonna feel pain like every single day because the culture of the schools still traditionally leaning or all the teachers are still opportunity or mainstream orange leaning so like them being aware of the values of the community of the values of individual teachers because what you described there makes a hell of a lot of sense but an administrator just walking in who didn't have that set of tools so almost saying like they we want them to be in that post-progressive mindset already so that they can do that yeah i i mean i guess i guess they would sort of have to be in order to not have those value systems be at odds with each other you know even within themselves you would have to be able to see them as being part of a more whole system, even if sometimes they are at, are at odds with each other, you'd have to be able to see them in a way where they're not. How would you and How would you go about doing that, though? I guess that's the nature of what this post-progressive teacher would be bringing to the table. They would see naturally, to some degree, how they're they're not necessarily at odds. And well, it would it would see the value of each one. That seeing the value could again place them in a way or work with them in a way that wasn't so one size fits all. Yeah. One kind of theory I had is as you move up and have to oversee more and more people, you kind of naturally will encounter more and more takes on things. You're just going to naturally see how people are clashing with each other. But I think this could be where maybe sitting with a with a traditional teacher and trying to train them up or coach them into becoming an opportunity or a mainstream teacher. That's maybe a little more difficult than doing it with a, with a head who's had to deal with people. Maybe that's almost necessary to sit with that person and say, hey, inside your organization now that has anywhere between 200 and 5,000 people, you, you've you got people of all these different development stages. Yeah. So if we're talking about an administrator trying to make some adjustments based on an understanding of these different value levels, and I guess in order to make some change and make for a better school, uh, I know you guys have talked about the idea of a whole school 
school also being based on some of, you know, whether it's integral theory or like a more, a more integral type theory. So there's a, you could have the whole school be set up like that or an administrator in a school that's not quite set up like that or an actual just teacher in a school. I think those are three different ways how some of these changes could be implemented to some degree. Lately in our chat, we've talked about the idea of small changes that can come from someone who does have a good understanding of these and how to work with them. So, because it does seem maybe a little far-fetched to think of some magic administrator coming in, flying in from heaven and placing everyone perfectly. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot more dirty work involved. It's a harder, rougher, more like there's a lot more challenge. Sometimes it goes smooth, but sometimes it's just hard slugging, you know, in the trenches, as they say. And you mean that the idea of something doesn't carry out exactly as planned once implemented? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but very you know, intelligent, clever, little moves here and there in that direction. It's hard to say what impact that has. So I think it's good to think of change in a variety of ways and coming from different areas. Because I know even in this podcast, you guys have mentioned how an actual school based on these principles is maybe a little far-fetched. And that working within a school is probably going to be more realistic to how this goes. Yeah, so in noticing our time is drawing to a close. I think maybe that is the open inquiry right now is like, what's the most realistic on the ground in the trenches way to approach some of this stuff? A little while ago, Brendan was saying like, yeah, I think initially we were kind of like, hey, we'll just move traditional schools into being more mainstream and mainstream along to progressive and progressive along to post-progressive because we think that's best. And I know like, you know, laying our cards on the table, we do think that's best and our value is coming saying like the world's a crazy complex place right now and we think a post-progressive approach is the best match. But that's us just straight up saying like, we're totally coming at it with this bias. But I think over time, we've been like, okay, clearly, that's not a very good approach. That's stupid, and not going to work. And it feels like we've shifted our work now more to like about five questions, which is, hey, what value is currently calling most of the shots at your school? What what value is is at the center of gravity, then asking, hey, what value do you want your school to be at? And are they different? And then jump to like, okay, across our eight aspects or the, the quadrants, which things are already in alignment with the value you want to be at? And then which aspects are not in alignment with that? And then what can you do to change those things? Like what's within your agency or realm of, of influence to change those things? Are we going to come back to this in a year and be like, that was also a stupid idea? <laughs> Do you have any critique for our current approach to giving schools this framework, this narrative to speak through and trying to make conscious what I think is happening in every school already, but we just don't have this framework to discuss it? Oh, yeah, I think that's I think that's yeah, that's great and necessary. And uh, yeah, that's a huge piece of the puzzle you know, the understanding of the whole thing so you can at least talk about it and they can start to actually have awareness of this stuff. You know, and you guys lay it out pretty clear. So, you know, I'm sure someone will be able to, you know, recognize these different parts in full effect at their school. That's crucial. And then that coupled with how you then go to actually implement some changes now that you have this understanding, some knowledge of these different value set. To even begin to have that conversation with the human in front of us or the entire entire organization, there's so many questions we need to ask first. The complexity even with an individual. If you're going to even begin having that discussion of how you might solve that problem, mm. it, it's such a complex discussion. Would you begin with that system of bringing the value systems to them and try to make it explicit? Or do you go the other way where you just dig into what they're saying? And I guess I'm coming from like the person-centered counseling it wouldn't try to explain the system to them. It would just ask them the next step. Oh, so what do you, you know, what's underlying this? Or would you kind of try and give them some context of this framework that they're working in? If I thought that was appropriate and fitting for them, for sure, having them, you know, maybe understand those levels could be very, very helpful. But one thing I would be trying to, to get to is what is really motivating this person specifically? What is 
their main motives and what do they actually want and then and then try to and create a better avenue for their own personal drives and motivation um you know if they were stuck you know if they were you know really frustrated i mean obviously it would depend on what they're so frustrated about the traditional teachers saying oh man these these goddamn rubrics i'm sick of these rubrics <laughs> yeah um would be a very different thing than like you know a progressive progressive teacher who their problem is look i want to really honor and be sensitive to the all these these children and what they've been through and i have a hard time applying discipline because i just feel all their experiences are so valid i want to be open to them all or something like that i think that's where the value of the discussion with you as an integral coach w- would come if we brought case studies or if we sat down with individuals yeah, yeah. who were stuck because i think you know we started off this conversation very general and myself and robert but a generalist in terms of this model we're, we're talking about really big picture stuff and you're on the other end of the scale you're talking one-to-one with people about how they're stuck and that's very valuable and saying why are you stuck and how can we move you forward and i think that's kind of where we need to go more yeah you know, what is your value but then the juicy conversation or the important and meaningful conversation is where are you stuck and how can we how can we bring this model to help you Brennan, I think from a meta perspective, the thing you're hitting on is one of the things we've discussed the least in our podcast so far is that upper left quadrant, those aspects of reactions and beliefs. We've kind of given them lip service as like, those are relevant, but you know, they're not as obvious as like the communities and cultures in the lower left or the lower right, the systems and environments or the upper right, the resources and the practices. So I think maybe this discussion's highlighting for us just the importance that it also needs just as much due attention as all the others for an honest developmental approach to school. Lenny, thanks so much for joining us. Interesting to shift from the asynchronous conversations of an ongoing messenger chat to having the three of us on a shared screen together. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. This was a lot of fun and I hope it was useful. You guys rule. Much appreciated. Thank you very much, Len and Rob. So after the interview we did with Lenny that you just heard a few seconds ago, Lenny took some time, consolidated his thoughts, and he sent us a little bit of a reflection. So please take a listen. Lenny's attempt to summarize and clarify his thoughts, and then we're going to leap into our own reflection. You know, it seems like what we're really talking about is change and how change can happen on a few different levels and in a few different ways. Like we mentioned, or like you guys had mentioned, there's understanding this overview of the three main different value structures within school, traditional, mainstream, and progressive. And if everyone, teachers or schools, were informed with that, given some, a good understanding of that is one way. And then outside the, the understanding of it, the actual sort of implementation of change, or you could say attempt to change, seems like there's three main areas or three main ways. And one is like we mentioned, this like sort of like super duper administrator, coach, counselor that can, you know, sort of come into a school and reposition teachers and maybe readjust to some degree the school to better utilize what it has and maybe identify some of the needs as well to better fit the overall aims. Then there's the the few schools you said that were basically being built on more integrative principles from the ground up. That's the second way. And a third way is staff that is informed and understands at least these three ways of operating or these three values. You know, with staff that's a little more integrally informed and they make moves direct on the ground. Those seem to be like three avenues of how change can happen for a more integral approach to education. Another important thing that seemed relatively juicy, and that's when we're talking about education changing, making changes within education. Brennan, you just touched on the distinction between change within teachers as individuals or staff in general as individuals and also the school itself. And yeah, we in in our chats, we haven't got a huge amount into how change happens within a school, like maybe policy wise or all the ways that change happens within the actual organization of school. 
whether that's, you know, getting a new head of school or a new thing comes from the government, a new requirement are all those ways of changing. But then also the change within, you know, the individual staff. And like we were saying about, you know, what's their motive? You know, what motivates them? What do they want? What what values do they have? What are some of the changes they want to see? What are they personally, what do they find the most frustrating? What do they struggle with? So sort of those two different fronts of where change happens. That's also something to think about. So Brendan, after five, six years of attempting to make it happen, finally got you and Lenny talking. We've been doing it for the last two, three months in the messenger chat. And now it's even become a podcast episode. This is beyond my wildest dreams. Thanks for participating in that. What did you get out of our chat? Those are some pretty wild dreams you've got there, McLeod. But I'm glad, I'm glad that I could uh, be part in making those dreams come true. I thought it was excellent. I thought we've gone backwards and forwards with a thousand different topics in our messenger chat. I thought it was good to have that, that clarity of trying just to deal with this much smaller group of issues about how one might organize a school to move towards that post-progressive value, that integral value, and some of the issues that would arise from moving between stages or attempting to become healthy in a particular stage. And it was really interesting to get Lenny's perspective, not just as a super smart and interesting, interested guy, but also as someone who has a really deep background and experience and knowledge in the integral theory that underpins lots of our ideas such as the developmental stages and the aspects of school so yeah it was cool but of course as with every discussion it leads you to open up a whole can of worms and a whole bunch more questions so we have a bunch of things here that would be good to kind of go over and to have and dig a little bit deeper into some of them so one of them for us is we're kind of making the assumption that from the integral framework that the stages model is relevant and you and i have spent a lot of time trying to flesh out that there is a traditional and a mainstream and a progressive version of school and that's kind of what our whole model is like holding around so i guess like our first big challenge and having lenny be a good uh, devil's advocate at times for us was to just see if that actually holds weight and i think you know from our observations of different schools we've been in from our own experiences that does seem to hold up that there's a traditional a mainstream and progressive approach to schools kind of centered around traditional value of security the mainstream value of opportunity and the progressive uh, value of inclusion. I guess the next question then is, if those stages are true and should be at the core of our educational or school design, um, do we actually have a range of students at these different developmental stages? If so, how do we handle that? And to what degree are our preferences impacting which actual value we're coming from, as opposed to maybe what value would best suit support, nurture, and develop most likely the students in this case. So the interesting thing that we kept hitting on talking to Len was about the differences between analyzing institutions and organizations and analyzing individuals. And the thing about the spiral dynamics model, the stage model that some of our theories are based on, is that it does actually seem to say that similar to like a Piaget model, students will move through these stages within their lives also. And so you get this weird kind of clash, I guess, because a traditional school teaches traditionally from the year you start to the year you leave. So they'll have a traditional model of education that they'll present to you from the age of four or five to the age of up to 18, potentially. And similarly for a mainstream and a progressive school. And that's what we're saying. They're kind of, they have their one mode of working and there's healthy and unhealthy versions of it. However, this Spiral dynamics model also seems to suggest that an individual at five years old might be more in the line with that traditional mindset. But as they hit maybe 13, 14, they may potentially be ready or even in that more mainstream mindset, that opportunity mindset. And then as they move to their upper teens, may be ready to move into that more progressive inclusion mindset. However, if you're in a school that just sticks in one of these modes and you do 
go from being personally going from being traditionally minded to mainstream minded to progressive minded whichever one of these three school systems you're in at some point in your education is not going to match where you are and I'm just interested in that clash I think that's something as an inquiry teacher in primary who brings what is arguably more progressive at the more progressive end of education towards younger kids there's a lot of good stuff there but I do need to ask how does that work my own heart and mind loves the idea of a more progressive approach to education. If I had to choose between the three, if it was like, no, you only get to do one. I, My heart now as an adult is closest to wanting the progressive approach for like the younger version of myself. Like, And when I think of my son, it's like, oh, the progressive is closest to what I would want to see for him. And I'm worried to even ask this question, but it's like, how are my biases as an adult potentially screwing over? over a kid, like because I want you to be like this later in life. I want you to embody some of those values, the progressive value, being able to find what matters to you, you know, where where's meaning in your life, how to create your own path, these components of that progressive approach. I want that, but maybe that's something, you know, in the stage model and the Piaget concept that needs to come later and is built on a foundation of the embodiment of those previous iterations of school, those previous values. And I wonder if introducing it too soon actually does more detriment than if we do it more time release when it is a better fit. So I think, like you said, if you've got this kind of one-size-fits-all approach of, no, we're traditional from age 5 to 18. No, it's mainstream from 5 to 18. No, it's progressive from 5 to 18. At some point, they're just not going to be the correct overlap. However, I do think one of the many things that's valuable about this narrative of these three different schools is it shifts the argument from which of these three is the right definition of education towards these are three variations of what an education is. And I think I keep coming back to this idea of the tug of war, because whether you're in one school or whether you're in a country that's wrestling with which of these three approaches to go with, I think the ultimate thing is we've kind of got this blank word of education and we're fighting over how to define what it looks like across the eight aspects. And I think that's where this model has merit. And maybe five years from now, we like look back at this and we laugh at it and go, aha, whatever. Like, no, it fell apart when the rubber hit the road. But I at least think this idea of this, this narrative of these three different kinds of school is important to at least get us out of the rut we seem to be in when discussing education now. Even if down the road we end up abandoning this model, I think it's at least for a short time worthwhile to, to see the effects of what this model does in schools or with educators or with students. Well, I think it leads pretty neatly into another couple of related ideas that came up of the complexity of individuals within organizations and then this massive complexity of an organization. And often if we buy into the idea that our values lead us, and if we then take it one step further down the line and say there's a few models for different types of values and there's synonyms for security and there's synonyms for opportunity, there's synonyms for inclusion, but those are just ones we've chosen to match up to those traditional mainstream and progressive schools that we kind of see around. We're trying to build terminology in terms uh, that hopefully clarify or at least fit into the schema we already have of the world. But the next step then is to actually say on a institutional level where are we at which of these values is currently calling the shots pulling us further in their direction and is it the value that we as an organization want to be at and then likewise for every individual inside that organization in a school that's teachers and all staff it's also all students and it's also all parents and then even beyond that into governing boards and into local education authorities and so on so there's a lot of people with a lot of strong thoughts and feelings feelings on this and a lot of beliefs we're trying to say and this kept coming back in the discussion with Len but being explicit about the values explicit about what's happening currently and where we want to be and which of those aspects of school those eight aspects that we talk about including the cultures and the physical environments and the resources we use and the, the beliefs of the individuals which are in alignment with that value and which are out of whack so 
that was just an, an idea that kept coming back up. I think we we may not have too much to say about it because we're totally in. I imagine we're pretty much in agreement that that's what needs to happen or that's what's best for institutions to move forward. But it's such a huge idea, and I guess I just want to get your take on it after we'd had this big long chat with Len and you've had a chance to reflect on it. And we've done the episode fifty where we set it out. Does that still hold for me? Definitely. I'm. I can see what I'm now doubling down on, and what I'm doubling down on now is this idea of we need to make these values explicit like Len was saying and I think I guess the next question is like Len brought this up where I think maybe you had asked something about like you know when you're working with a teacher would you make these values explicit and I think Len's answer was something to the effect of like yeah maybe like maybe if that's a good fit but but maybe not in in other contexts and I know there's currently discussions at my school that we're going to have this very model as like a topic at a staff meeting early next year and to walk through the model and to go through those five questions with all staff. Hey, what value do you think is currently operating here? And like that alone, that first level of question might reveal such diversity in perspectives about which value is actually calling the shots. And I'm curious to see how that goes, because just sitting here, you and I with Len, it's easy to rhyme through those five questions and be like, yeah, I think we've made this pretty simple. What's calling the shots here? What do you want to be? What is in alignment? What's not? And uh, what can we change that is within our realm of influence to help us better align across these eight aspects towards that value? Part of me thinks, though, if we sit down and ask a school, even if we think we have a very clear idea of, oh, this is definitely a traditional school, this is definitely a mainstream school, this is definitely progressive, who knows? Maybe you ask the staff and it's 33, you know, percent across the board. And it's like, oh, the, we don't even have a shared consensus on what's happening here. So I'm, I'm more curious once the, I think I've said this the second time now, rubber hits the road if this model weathers the storm. Or rather, my assumption is, you know, this series of questions, laying out the eight aspects, laying out the three main values. I think it's like, I think this is a catalyst for having a level of conversation within an organization that maybe hasn't been happening. And to go back to what you were saying about the complexity of an organization as well as the individuals, I think speaking from my experience, so much of the time in school is spent discussing minutia and just surface level details that what we're trying to do is to actually dive deep into the complexity of the organization, deep into the complexity of the individuals, deep into the complexity of the culture within the school and say, this is a big job to address all this stuff, but here's the simplest way we've been able to distill down to engage with this massive, massive thing and to readjust the narrative so that we can discuss things at the core level such as our core values that are that are essentially running the shots, but we're not dropping to that level of acknowledging that there's something calling the shots around here. Thoughts on that? Well, just a couple of things. One, when I do talk to people about traditional mainstream and progressive schools, I think it would be necessary at the beginning of any discussion to, to have the discussion about what we mean by these things. We have our definitions. And if, if you listen to our episode 50 podcast and many of our other episodes, we've tried to really define how these three kinds of school are different so but I do get into discussions with people about traditional versus mainstream school and then after a little while I realize that we don't really have the same kind of idea on it and then we'll we'll often get into a, a squabble we'll often get into a discussion about some small part of of what why we disagree on that definition and we're never gonna have a perfect definition but I think we start there by but spending some time together as a school defining what these three types of schools are, what those three values mean, what does the value of inclusion mean? Because, you know, we talked about how, of course, it means including everybody in the in the, in the the community, but including them to what level? And also, we also said that, that the definition of inclusion also means bringing parts of yourself into education that hadn't been there before. And I don't necessarily think most people's idea of progressive school starts there. We need to have that discussion and build a shared understanding of, of that. And then to, to be prepared, and I think with the the uh, interview we had with Silke, Silke Weiss, um, a couple of years ago now. She spoke a lot about going into schools and needing them to be ready to make the change and being very open to, needing to be open to have the discussion and for it to lead to action. And so I think a bunch of stuff needs to be in place before schools will really begin to be ready to move. But I think if, if we start to get shared definitions and we start to analyze where we're at and then we go at it with the open mind 
aimed at this is the aim of this is to build the healthiest school that represents our values as possible it doesn't mean that we have to become a progressive school tomorrow or a traditional school or a mainstream school it is what's the healthiest version of our values and i think we've we've kind of boiled them down the definitions so that we can have the discussion but they'll need to be of course unpacked again because everybody's interpretation of what their needs are is going to be different and so it sounds like it's a very long and complex process but it's the process that's going to to move us in in the direction we want to go it's not an end product you know we can look back and take snapshots every six months a year two years and see where we're at but the model of building towards a perfect finished school is not in our minds so i think looking at it as a process and being very clear on our aims but being prepared to do the work that's necessary i think that's where i'm at with it and having that discussion with Len and these many discussions between us is helping to clarify that. Yeah, and one of the things I've really liked about bringing Lenny in is he's someone who who's not in the educational world. And I think that has been a helpful check for you and I, because you and I can hop up into our ivory towers in the cloudy skies and get lost in our own shared delusions. And like, you know, we're on the same page and we know what each other means. We can sometimes finish each other's sentences. But to bring in a third party and be like, does this make any sense outside of the O'Leary McLeod space? Like, have we just been on like LSD together and we've been hallucinating the same thing together for years now? It was good to have someone who, first of all, wasn't necessarily in the educational world who could like bring, I think, a outsider's critical mind to things. And then second of all, to have Lenny, who is an integral coach who's someone who's fascinated by human development who you know his own personality type similar to yours like likes to understand things in great depth and for him to really question us on every thing we said I think only helped you and I to clarify some things for ourselves and as well like be able to distill down some of what we're saying and I think <clears throat> as a meta comment I think that's what's been happening for you and I this whole time is things that used to take us a whole episode to say we can now say in two or three sentences and I think what are what is it 60 hours of conversation on this messenger chat helped us distill at least chunks of that down to a 30 minute conversation that we had between the three of us agreed and I think one thing I do like which is part of those two is Lenny's a pretty um he's a sharpshooter he's a straight shooter he'll ask you tough questions and uh he wants good answers but Give him his due if you he also wants you to ask him those tough questions too. So we should have him back. I think that episode we were all on our best behavior. I'm sure two or three episodes down the line we'll be putting each other in headlocks and really throwing those questions <laughs> that 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 uh, will catch us out. But it was fun. It was it was a great it was a great chat. So one of the other themes that did pop up was the idea of how to move forward. And I think this is where where Len's reflection at the end he kind of clarified three potential ways to move an institution forward. We already talked about one, I guess, of talking to the staff and trying to get everybody aligned. And, and that needs to be part of whatever we do, of course. He also talked about this idea of this super administrator coming in who would kind of place people and work to people's strengths based on the particular stage or the particular mindset they had. So you might have a quite a progressive leaning school that has a couple of more traditionally minded teachers, but there's still a place for them inside the organization if this if this super administrator you know you know moves people around and puts them in positions that really work for them and for the organization and I guess the third one was then this idea that we've used of the hacker the the person who comes in and they just make tiny moves and tiny tiny discussions here on a daily basis and tiny little plans here and making moves and making ideas that this particular person would not be doing it just for their own good they would be asking these questions and they would make it, be making these plans because they would explicitly see the different competing values working inside the organization. And they would be using their skills and strategies to bring people together and help them to work and to speak to each other and work together in a way that may 
not happen if there wasn't that conduit between an awesome traditionals teacher and an awesome mainstream teacher but they might just need that third person to help them see eye to eye and see that actually you've both got strengths and this is the way you can work together so what was your take on on the three different we like our threes here we like to work in the power of threes what was this idea of this idea of there potentially being three larger strategies for moving a school forward i think all three approach the idea of change from a different place and a very strategic either macro level or a micro level so the idea of yes a whole staff discussion of we together are clarifying these things and how do we change our systems or practices all of that um who's in who's out that makes sense on the big level having an administrator who can facilitate that and be able to skillfully move between these different value systems i also think is important I guess my next question is, how do you get someone like that? How do you support? How do you develop someone like that? And I think, again, I would go back to the uh, Silka Vice episode. That's I know the nature of her work is to grow those capacities within people. Um, but, you know, there's feel free if you're listening to direct us towards others who are doing this kind of work. But, you know, that's a missing piece in the professional development world right now. There are lots of courses out there to help you become a better opportunity school, better mainstream school administrator. There's PD out there to help you become a better progressive school administrator. If you're a traditional school administrator, you already know how the job's done. You don't need to be don't need to be better at it. There's lots of development out there to make you better in one of these kinds of school, but I don't yet know of professional development that's out there to help you be that super super person who can, you know, fluidly float between them. To be fair, I think both Silka and I know Armin Sieber as well from the Integralis Tagesschule, they do offer trainings. Katerina Yasko as well um, in Ukraine is doing that work. So there are people out there, but maybe that's a, maybe that's a next spot for us to help develop a network to make it more aware of all the options that are out there for that. And yeah, that third one, I think that hacker, um, I think that's the role... I end up choosing by default more often. I liked, I don't know if Lenny mentioned it in our chat explicitly from this interview, but he certainly has used this idea in our messenger chat of droplets. The idea of just those little discussions, those little changes, because you never, because you never know the trajectory that that impact will have. We can think in terms of these big scale things. We can look at that macro level, but sometimes, you know, there's one conversation that completely shifts the trajectory of a school. Sometimes there's one person, sometimes there's one idea, sometimes there's one new approach. And over time, you never know the, the influence that that one little thing will have on a trajectory. It's perhaps the least secure. It's perhaps the least future minded because you never know what will catch and how it will ripple out but just making those little strategic changes or maybe more so finding like those acupuncture points where oh just a little change here might actually have a massive impact and what do we mean by massive impact well probably one of two things from our model either a little change here would help our current value express itself in a much more healthy way and and rid itself of the unnecessary bathwater, or this will help us to better align with a different value that it seems like we're struggling to find our way to. I think what what's important is because these things are going to happen anyway. There will be administrators who are trying to move people into the best position. There will be those teachers that are trying to make small changes in their own way. And there will be whole school discussions. So all of these happen. The difference is that by bringing those values explicitly to the front, it the, these actions happen consciously. And I think that's where we're suggesting it is a healthier direction to go in for a school. So I feel like even just hearing you say that, it's like these values are like the underarching foundation or like the bowl that the aspects are held in. I think most often when we look at what administrators do or whole school initiatives or even teachers, it's zooming in usually to one of those eight aspects and making a change in one of those eight aspects, which is great. But without acknowledging that deeper level of what's holding those aspects in place, without acknowledging the values, um, it's perhaps perhaps just not as strategic, nor is it as holistic, perhaps. 
And I think for an administrator to shift from maybe trying to make a move in the culture or the system or the environments or the resources to drop down to like engaging with with that aspect from the perspective of a value is that shift we're, we're hoping to offer to whole schools, to administrators, or to individual teachers. And of course, incredibly complex. These decisions and discussions are happening on a daily basis up and down every school. And for the entire school to be more or less in alignment with where we want to go sounds like a really big ask. And I think, you know, I've talked about Chris Baum at uh, the Millennium School and how he spoke about how hard it was to find people, the right people to bring into the organization. And not everybody has that luxury of always bringing in new staff that are already pretty close to your values. And I'm sure even he finds it incredibly difficult to find people, bring them in and then train them up because they're such a leading edge kind of school. But to just have everyone in the in the organization to be a little more explicit in the value and where we're going, I guess that's a good kind of first aim in most places. And uh, then that ongoing process and filtering everything through that value if possible and all of those eight aspects. So whether it's something to do with a new school building, whether it's a new online platform, whether it's new sports equipment or a new timetable, or maybe it's a change within the culture of how we interact with each other. If everything inside the school is more or less filtered through that value, and everybody's filtering through a similar value, as close as possible to that, for example, if you are a traditional school, filtering everything through that security value to its healthiest way, maybe that's the best we can hope for. Maybe that's a good first 10 to 50 steps on the path to a better place we're not saying your place is not good already. You're already fine as you are, and there are some improvements you can make. The end. Thanks, Brendan. So I, I enjoyed reflecting there, Rob, and I think digging in a little bit more, it's given us, it's solidified those themes a little, a little more of where we can go. And we're going to try and do one more episode, I think, before we wrap up for our summer break and then move into the series we've been promising for a long while an in-depth look at the mainstream opportunity school but next week do you want to give these listeners a little bit of a, a hint as to what they might be getting in 14 earth days so one of our big ideas when looking at these three values is the idea that there are babies and bathwater between each of the values. There are things we want to keep and things that to the degree that we can, we would wish to discard. And uh, we're going to begin looking at what we mean by babies and bathwaters and also begin to shift between um, a few of the different values, moving up from the traditional value, what it was responding to that came before it, what its babies and bathwaters are, and then how that kind of leads naturally into the next stage of school, into the mainstream opportunity school. San Dimas High School football rules. Is that Billy Madison or is that Bill and Ted? Bill and Ted. Mm. New is one of the bills. Yeah. All right, Rob. See you on the other side of this fortnight. Thanks, Brendan. Bye. We hope this episode has been interesting. If you want to connect, we're on Twitter. We're kind of building a community there. Feel free to pass this episode on to others who give a damn about what's going on in education. From Brendan and myself, attention is a valuable thing these days. Thanks for having some of yours on what we're saying.